Welcome to Franchise Marketing Radio, brought to you by SEO Samba, comprehensive high-performing marketing solutions for mature and emerging franchise brands. To supercharge your franchise marketing, go to seosamba.com. That's S-E-O-S-A-M-B-A dot com. Lee Cantor here, another episode of Franchise Marketing Radio, and this is going to be a good one. Today we have with us Nicole Alberger with Hand and Stone Massage and Facial Spa. Welcome, Nicole. Thanks, Lee, for having me. Well, I'm excited to learn what you're up to. Tell us a little bit about Hand and Stone. How are you serving folks? Sure. Well, we are Hand and Stone is kind of positions itself as the the luxury of affordable when it comes to massage and facial spa franchise concepts. So Really, what we want to do is is bring massage to the middle market, make it affordable to the masses, but then also give them the opportunity for our customers when they come in the front door, they want all those bells and whistles and the microdermabrasion, the hydrofacial, you know, the hot stone massage. We, we offer that as well, but we're in the shopping center next to the grocery store and the Starbucks and the Paneras of the world. So it's totally convenient for our customer as well. So uh, we keep that in the focus and the forefront for our brand is let's be innovative with all of our offerings, but, you know, keep it in the backyard, keep it convenient and affordable uh, for our consumer. And I think that's why we're so um really uh, well-received by our customer base. And then as far as our, our franchisees, you know, they're, they're looking for something that's a reoccurring revenue stream that our membership model affords them with a lot of different options to bring that revenue through the front door. So it's a really exciting space to be in, uh, in the health and wellness space right now, especially where we sit, you know, coming into the front end of 2021 here. Now, uh, tell us a little bit about the, the beginning. Uh, how did it start? Did it start as a mom and pop or was it always, it was kind of built to be franchised? Yeah, I, you know, I really like talking about the beginning of our brand. Um, you know, something that was, exci- I've been with the company about uh, in May, it'll be eight years now. So I've really gotten to see the the arc of the growth here. And um, when I started, our, our founder, John Marco, was very much still involved with the brand. And, you know, actually, my first day with the company, he kind of bust his way into the, the office I was sitting in and said, you know, you're Nicole, the new girl, let's go to lunch, you know, and I got to, you know, really have a personal relationship with our founder. And this was an emotional business for him. You know, he was a physical therapist before starting Hand in Stone. So, really had a passion for health and wellness, but also a strong entrepreneurial spirit. You know, he was the kind of kid that would, you know, buy the candy bars at the grocery store and break up the pack so he can, you know, make a few dollars of it. And uh, he, he wanted to get into this space of massage and facial spa franchising, um, but thought he could maybe tweak it and do it a little bit better than, than the competitors that were out there. Uh, so he did start it kind of as a mom and pop. It was his own location in, in Tom's River, New Jersey, his hometown. And then he built a couple of them and started franchising a few years after that. So uh, did the, the work to put into growing the foundation prior to franchising it. But uh, 
his entrepreneurial spirit really was what spurred this brand and his passion for the operations, I think is what really led to the success of it. So then when it started, um, how did he go about attracting those first few franchisees? Were they, were they, you know, maybe existing clients that said, Hey, I like this. Can we have it in my town? Or were they people in his same industry that were in the wellness industry that were looking for kind of complimentary services? Yeah. Um, I, he followed, I think a lot of small brands when they start off, they sometimes go into that, um, regional developer role. So he did start with a few regional developers and, and they helped grow it. Um, from, he started franchising in like 2006. Um, and from 2006 to 2009, he got the brand to about 25 units. Some of that was, like he said, independent folks that came and were just customers and enthusiastic about it. And, and purchasing licenses. Other were regional developers. But in 2009, that was really, I think, when we saw a fork in the road from the development side of things, because that's when John, and I always give John a ton of credit for this, because he realized that he needed the franchising expertise of it. Like he had such a passion for the business, but he realized he needed somebody with the franchising background to really scale it. And that's when he brought on Todd Leff, who's our, our current CEO. And, and, and Todd's background, he's actually an attorney by trade. Uh, he's a former prosecutor. But um, he got into franchising as a general counsel. And then he had a career with Cotman Amco Transmissions and then came to Hand in Stone. So he had built a brand. He had done acquisitions, uh, had the franchising chops. And him partnering with John in this franchise of Hand in Stone was a really good combination because, like I said, John had that operations passion and Todd had the kind of the franchise know-how. So putting those together really gave us some good building blocks to start the franchise growth from there. So in 2009 is when we really started to really focus on how do we build this brand you know, so we can get to, you know, the 500 units that we see ourselves getting to this year. So now when that happened, did that shift how the business was kind of run or how you differentiated yourself from your competitors? Or was it just pressing the gas at that point? I, I think it, it was a little bit of, um, like I said, like, let's build the foundation. So Todd put in an in-house ad, ad agency. We have HSM advertising here in-house, invested in IT support, our operations team, just started to put all those things in place. And I think Todd also was one to say, we don't have to grow overnight. Like, let's make this a conscious growth organization where uh, we want to pick the right people. We're not going to sell these big development agreements, you know, for a long time, we didn't sell individuals more than three units at a time. You know, it was making sure that, like I said, there's conscious growth here and that's what's going to be best for the brand. And I know when I came in, I had to kind of readjust because a lot of organizations are just sell, sell, sell. And here it was, let's, let's really be cognizant of who we're bringing in and, and the markets that we're growing in. And that was really attractive to me as a franchise development professional is that, you know, the, the team was very aware that, you know, the building blocks were so important of who we bring in and how we sell the brand. 
And then getting that right fit when you, when you're kind of clear on that, it makes your job a lot easier, right? Yeah. It's, it's, you know, what, what are we looking for? This is so much a people business. You know, we are, it's, we are touching customers, our employees, you know, massage therapists, they're nurturers, they're healers. So we need to make sure it's, it's the right person. And, um, that that is a lot of our my job is is working with the candidates to make sure they are the right fit and also they know what they're getting into right that they know once they're operating the spa what's the expectation that we have as as the franchisor so then what are the qualities of a good candidate um you know like i think very much so it's it's a people person you know if you have a sales management background that's great you know cuz Really, it's managing your team. That's that's what we need because this is not a business where our owners are, are hands-on providing the service, right? Your massage therapists, your estheticians, they're the ones providing the service, but you need to be the person behind the scenes that's managing and motivating them. And that, that's really what we focus on with, with our owners is building your sales force. That, that's what we are doing as you know, from our owner perspective. And that's the people at the front desk to the massage therapist, to the esthetician. So they need to be able to be the face of the business and, and work on it. But this is not an absent, we don't, it's not an absentee business. This is one where the owner needs to have that presence. They can scale it, of course, over time. Uh, but um, we, we want an owner that wants to work on their business, not necessarily in the business, right? They're not going to be you know, use the term flipping burgers, you know, but they, they will be managing that team. So that, that management piece is very key. Now you mentioned that it is a high touch, uh, literally, um, (laughs) business. How did you guys handle the pandemic when there was so much, um, time where folks couldn't touch each other and they couldn't, uh, kind of take advantage of services like yours? Yeah, I give my, uh, my operations and training team here, I give them a ton of credit because they worked more when our spas were closed than they ever have when the spas were open, right? It was um, really in the month of April, we we were able to retool the way that we do business and really remove every touch point, but the actual hands-on service provider. Um, So from the front desk going to contact lists, contact light transactions where paperwork's done online, all of our payment processing is done online. Some of the spas were even doing call to treatment room. You pull up in the parking lot, you call in and they tell you what treatment room you are in. So you go right to there and you don't see anybody but your service provider. And I'll, I'll give another shout out to our founder, John Marco because he was a physical therapist, he wanted running water in all of the rooms. And so we were already kind of ahead of the curve when it came to hand-washing, where our service providers, our customers could wash their hands um, before the service would begin. Um, Todd, our CEO, was very much ahead of getting all of the PPE that we needed for our spas, for everyone to be safe. Um, And so really... And a lot of people think that, but like our massage therapists, you know, this is a, it's a physical job. So they're not seeing 20 customers in a day. They might see four or five customers in a day. 
So and in some sense, you see more people, you know, going to the grocery store than you do coming in to get a massage. And it's, it's very, some for our customers, you know, this is sometimes pain management, right? It's not just all about relaxation. So we have oncology massage, prenatal massage, sports massage, um, and all of these things that the customer, the demand was still very much there. So as soon as our spas could reopen, we saw the customer was was hungry to come back and and they felt safe. And that was something that was really important is that we we had tons of reviews, comments that came in or that they felt safe and they were so happy to see how we responded as far as putting that in the forefront. And then we did do other things like um, we did curbside pickup for products and gift cards we had online webinars of, you know, keeping yourself healthy at home with whether it was stretching or how to how to do an at-home facial. So we got really creative in that regards too, just to make sure we were still connecting with our customer base. Now, um, that is a key to your business and, and having a membership-based business allows you to kind of be creative in that st- from that standpoint, right? To create other value opportunities, whether they're happening virtually or in person. Right. We're not like a gym where it's use it or lose it. Right. And I think some people, and that was like, to your point, Leigh, is like, we needed to educate our customer on that. And the onus was on us, the franchisor to do that is let's, we need to have our own narrative out there is that to reach out to the customers and call them and say, Hey, your, your package doesn't expire. If you don't come in this month, it rolls over to the next month. And uh, our customers were, were happy to hear that, you know, so our franchisees were having their employees call just, and sometimes it was just nice. I heard stories that they were just calling and just check, Hey, I'm checking in on you. You're our member. We want to make sure you're doing all right. You know, and, and treating them as people, not just members of the, not just a number on the books. And, and that was really important. And one initiative we did roll out that was really successful with our members is we allowed for the first time our members to take their packages and put them on gift cards. And it was like almost like a hometown hero promotion where we encouraged them to gift them to a frontline worker, you know, to that nurse, doctor, EMT, police, firefighter, um, during the times when a lot of us felt pretty, you know, helpless, right? What can we do? And doing something as little as, you know, gifting a massage or facial to that frontline worker, was something that a lot of our members responded to and um, they were able to take that package, but yes, they didn't expire. They got to roll the packages over. So now spas are open and they're doing, you know, full spa days where they're getting a massage and a facial or bringing a friend with them. um, Something they wanted to have come in to the spa. So the membership model was one that was really resilient for our franchisees through this time because they were able to continue billing. And, um, and that's really a, a great testament to the franchisees that chose uh, hand in stone that they have access to that kind of thinking that is kind of long-term thinking. Whereas a mom and pop, if they decided, Hey, I'm going to just start my own thing. They wouldn't really have that kind of um, kind of the brain trust that you all have in terms of a now up, you know, 500 locations where you have a lot of smart people thinking about this 24 seven that gives you kind of a, a, a leg up on anybody that's a mom and pop. 
Yeah, I think the I think a lot of the franchisees, I think across the board, I'd say just the model in general of franchising is that they were so happy to have franchisor support during this time is you know, it's something as simple as masks, right? Having the buying power to get masks into your spouse or thermometers, you know, where time when people couldn't buy thermometers, you know, we were able to have that power and it's just rewriting all the scripts and protocols and little signs that say, you know, please, please wear your mask or social distance. All of that was just created for them. So we, we gave them all the tools and just, and then help them implement too. So I think that really is why we see, I think a lot of our brands coming out of this time strong or stronger is that, you know, they had the support in play and they were a lot of them were like, thank goodness, because I, I couldn't imagine that the tasks sometimes seemed insurmountable, but when you have a whole team behind you, giving you all the resources, that's what makes it, you know, why you're thankful you signed up, I think for, for the franchise system. So yeah, I, I think it's a great point to make is that, that, that support you want the franchise or to be there in the good times, but you need them in the bad times, right? So right. That's now, uh, what we saw. Now, um, how does 2021 look? Are you looking at, is there pent up demand for franchisees? I know that a lot of folks maybe got uh, displaced from their companies and then franchising is an opportunity for them. Are you seeing some folks that are looking for a second act and are looking to uh, do something differently? Yeah, I think we're see- we're seeing that to people that have been displaced and they say, I don't want to go back to work for someone else. You know, I've worked, I've worked with a couple executives that say, I just gave 25, 30 years to this company. And then, you know, now they're, you know, now I'm out of a job, you know, and I don't want to be in that place again. I want to own something for myself or they see now's the time to invest because, you know, real estate prices are down and, we, we're seeing some conversion opportunities to your point. Some of the, the mom and pops haven't reopened, right? Or they're they're struggling. So we were able to go in and convert those businesses over to a hand in stone. So there's some great opportunity there. Um, and in some sense, we are pretty much Amazon proof, you know, uh, is that, you know, we can't be replaced by technology. The human touch is there. So landlords really like, having our concept in their shopping center. So we're, we're seeing landlords are coming to us at, to put franchisees in their centers. So I think there's some great synergy coming into, you know, 2021 with all of these things that are, are combining is the, the franchisee is coming to us, the landlords are coming to us, and it's a great time to be in the health and wellness space. Our, our health and wellness is on the top of mind for most every American, right? It's, so um, it's it's exciting and we're seeing a lot of activity that, that's spurring up this first quarter. Now, are, are there certain markets that you're focused in or is it kind of just a free-for-all at this point? We have territory in most every major metro market. So we're, we're expanding throughout the U.S. and Canada, um, We've had a lot of activity recently in, in Florida and Texas. Um, those are some markets and just naturally out of the Northeast because our, our brand started in New Jersey, but um, we're, we're seeing uh, new territories come on board. We just 
so far we've this year we've actually sold in Boise, Idaho, um, just a multi-unit deal in, in Birmingham. Uh, so some new markets will be coming on the map for Hand and Stone too in 2021. So now if somebody wanted to learn more, have a more substantive conversation with you or somebody on your team, what's the website for franchisees? Yeah, if you want to learn more, just ch- check out our brand. We have an informational brochure on there, some more highlights. But if you go to handandstonefranchise.com, there's a little contact us button there. Put your information in. I'd love if you, you dropped that you heard about us on, on this uh, radio today, too. Um, so we, we know that you're a listener. But if you go to handandstonefranchise.com, drop your information in. Uh, we're really responsive. We'll be back to you in less than 24 hours to set up an introduction call and talk to you more about the opportunity. And we can check out what market you're in and, and talk about areas that are available. And if your consumer just wants to check you out, it's just handinstone.com? Just handinstone.com. You can go on there and find your local spa, book appointments right through our website and, and see if there's any um, deals in your area. Good stuff. Well, Nicole, thank you so much for sharing your story today. No, Lee, thanks for having me. I I appreciate it. I always love talking about the brand. I think it's a great opportunity. And like I said, now more than ever, we're we're seeing people focused on their health and wellness, and it's a great space to be in. Um, It excites me to talk to new franchisees every day. So uh, thank you for the conversation and letting me uh, tell a little bit of Hand and Stone's story. Well, thank you. And um, best of luck uh, and continued success. All right, this is, this is Lee Cantor. We'll see you all next time on Franchise Marketing Radio. 